a special edition of our show, Herstory, on the back with Katie and Allie. Normally, it'd just be Allie and I hanging out, having cocktails, talking about famous women in history, but sometimes we like to talk to people who are writing about history. We have a very special guest here with us today, Ames Sheldon. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Ames is an author and associated editor of Women's History Sources, a guide to archives and manuscript collections in the United States, which is so cool. Um, And today she's here to talk about her book, Lemons in the Garden of Love. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? (laughs) Yes, you bet. Um, Well, um, I've I've been writing since I was a child. Um, I certainly... Well, I started a long time ago. Um, I got interested in women's rights, women's history. Um, I marched for, for the Equal, Equal Rights Amendment. Um, the book you referred to, Women's History Sources, A Guide to Archives and Manuscript Collections in the United States, that is a huge book that we put together um, of resources for scholars of women's history so they can start writing books and articles about women's history starting in the 1970s. So women's history was a new field at that time. So for example, uh, the kinds of things that were in that book, um, for example, Alexander Ramsey's papers at the Minnesota Historical Society they focus on his political career. But his wife, his daughter, his granddaughters also had letters and diaries and scrapbooks and cookbooks in that collection that had never been described. So this book, Women's History Sources, focuses on the primary source material in libraries, historical societies, um, research libraries all around the country. And it's just fascinating information in there. That's what got me really going on women's history. Perfect. I mean, it sounds like a great resource. I love that. Yeah, it is is great. Good. All right. Well, before we get into your book, we have a cocktail that we made for it. Um, It's uh, obviously called Lemons in the Garden of Love. Um, So obviously it has lemon in it. (laughs) Um, Basically, in the bottom of a cocktail shaker, you muddle a, a... basil, sorry, and sugar and lemon together. And then you put in equal parts of bourbon and limoncello and you shake that all up and you pour it into a glass and you garnish with basil. So cheers. Cheers to you. Thank you. That sounds delicious. Mm. (laughs) So good. Yeah. And we'll send you the recipe and all that online. Mm. I would love that. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So Let's start with your book. I want to set the scene for the time and place. We'll get to characters and how you're related to that in a minute. But can you tell us where and when does Lemons in the Garden of Love take place? And what was it like for women during that time? Yeah, so so the, the book, Lemons in the Garden of Love, starts with a graduate student in women's history at the University of Minnesota. Her name is Cassie. Lyman, and she is um, on her way to her sister's shotgun wedding in Massachusetts, though she lives in Minnesota, Um, and on the way to this wedding, she stops at Smith College and looks into the material at the Sophia Smith collection because she's looking for a dissertation topic, and she discovers material there, papers there, 
that were uh, belonged to Kate Easton, the founder of the Birth Control League of Massachusetts in 1916. And she thinks, oh, maybe I found my subject for my dissertation here. So she continues on to the wedding. And while she spends the weekend during the wedding with her family, she learns that she's actually related to this woman, uh, though she'd never heard of her. And why not? Um, well, there are reasons. Um, anyway, so Cassie Lyman is, um, she's a 1977 woman. She is married. She's married for three years. She's a fairly traditional woman, but she is, things are changing for her. Um, she is part of a consciousness raising group and her expectations about herself and her husband are starting to change. Her family, um, her mother, her grandmother, her aunts, um, all those folks are fairly conservative and traditional, but uh, Cassie is starting to change. Mm. Now, um, her relative, Kate Easton, uh, she's from the 1910s. And so her life is, is very different. She too is married, but uh, she's very politically active. She doesn't have children. She becomes involved in the suffrage movement and is a um, cartoonist of suffrage cartoons. Um, the um, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, President Taft uh, wrote in the Saturday Evening Post about one of her cartoons. It's a man holding a lifesaver uh, saying votes for women standing on a dock over water. And he's saying, when all the women want it, I will throw it to them. The anti-suffrage woman sitting on the stool nearby says, we don't need it. Yeah. And in the water down below are images of disease, a sweatshop, white slavery, filth. When women couldn't vote, they had very little impact on laws, um, on changes like that. So Pre President Taft wrote, the implications from such a cartoon are so absurd and unjust to opponents of suffrage that they ought not to aid the cause. On the whole, it is fair to say the immediate enfranchisement of women will increase the proportion of the hysterical element of the electorate. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's, that's, that's actually accurate. I mean, uh, this, well, because it's based on a real woman, um, which we can get into. Yeah, absolutely. So Kate Easton is the kind of woman in the past who is based off of Blanche Ames, correct? Uh, so yeah. I'm guessing that's where you get your first name from. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about her? And did you kind of have a similar journey of finding out that you were related to this very important person? I did have a similar journey, actually. Yeah. So while I was working on Women's History Sources, I discovered an Ames family collection at Smith College. And so when I could get to Massachusetts, um, I went and started reading about her and examining all this material. Um, I had a dream about her um, early on in this process. And this process started 40 years ago. Um, I had a dream about her in which she told me 
write my story. Oh so my I started. I started the first draft of this book, which was known as Moby Jane many years ago when I first started. And I tried to get it published and did not succeed. I sent it out over about 14 years and um, it, the timing just wasn't right. I was sending it out in the early 80s. Anyway, so finally I put it away in a drawer, but then when President Trump was inaugurated, my response to that was to pull this document, this manuscript back out and rework it in such a way that it really could be published this time. And it turns out to be very timely, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> yes, because one of the things that your great aunt did is she co-founded the Birth Control League of Massachusetts. Is that correct? That is correct. She did. Yep. So the story is, is, is both her story, well, is based on Blanche's story. And then um, Cassie's story is sort of based on mine, but it is fiction. And uh, Blanche's story shows up in diaries and letters. And actually, I made up all those, um, all the diaries, but based on historically accurate information. So... Uh, so there are two stories uh, that parallel and, and the, the two different characters end up coming together and sort of their lives start to par parallel, parallel each other over time, over the, the course of the novel. Mm -hmm. And did you have any pushback from family members when you said, I want to write about this woman? Like were people in your family like that's a secret part of our history that we don't talk about? <laughs> I didn't even tell. Mm -hmm. uh, my family for a long time, mm -hmm. um, though a, a few family members who were interested in both birth control and um, history, uh, I, I talked to them about some of the inside stories, and they were very helpful. For example, um, the Birth Control League of Massachusetts was founded um, by a group of people who were defending a guy named Van Cleek Allison, um, who in 1916 was passing out family uh, planning brochures to women coming out of a candy factory in Boston. Mm -hmm. And he was arrested. So the, a bunch of women got together, including Blanchings, uh, to form a committee to defend him. And then they ended up organizing the Birth Control League of Massachusetts. Uh, about six months later, when he was convicted um, and sent to prison for three years, Blanche was so angry that she went out on Commonwealth Avenue with a, um, with a, a penis that she had carved out of wood. And oh, my goodness, it wasn't a real one. How do you use a condom? <laughs> So, I mean, what did these years leading up to Roe v. Wade teach us about women in the U.S. and about the present movement with what we have to deal with now? Boy, I mean, it's taken so long. It took 100 years to get birth control legalized throughout mm -hmm. this country. I mean, it was, the, it was the mid to late 60s when it was finally legalized. Mass Massachusetts was the last state, which is surprising given how blue 
people mm-hmm. would consider Massachusetts today. Well, I mean, they had to be very active, um, become activists to get birth control legalized. And of course, the same thing happened with Roe v. Wade. People were dying of abortions um, that were conducted by butchers uh, for uh, all, all too often. Um, abortion used to be legal. It was legal before 1871. Hmm. Uh, you could have an abortion until the fetus it has is quickening uh you get movement but up until that point it was legal so it was the comstock laws in 1871 that made both abortion and birth control illegal hmm. Now, can I ask you about the title of the book? Because, um, you know, when I first got, when we first got the email, I thought like, oh, maybe it's like a something set in Greece or something. <laughs> so what does uh, Lemons in the Garden of Love mean? Well, it, it actually refers to, this is kind of a matriarchal family in this novel. Mm-hmm. And so the men in the family uh, were referred to as the lemons and they had to wear lemon pins. Uh, <laughs> So that's one version. There is a song about lemons in the garden of love and what you really want is to find a peach, not a lemon. Um, <laughs> so that song is actually in, in the novel. Um, but also, I think it refers to the fact that um, if you get pregnant when you don't mean to, when you didn't intend to, and it's not good timing for you, you've got a lemon on your hands. And what are you going to do with it? Yeah. What are you going to do about that? Mm. So there, there are various meanings about that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy to forget what life was like for women in this country before birth control was readily accessible. Mm-hmm. And it's still not accessible for many women, even today. Um, it was Justice Thomas who, after the Roe v. Wade overturning, threatened that uh, with that, decision, um, other challenges to legal rights to privacy could end up having an impact on contraception. Mm. What? We, we're going to lose contraception? Yeah. Yeah. What, um, what support have you gotten from like the Planned Parenthood and birth control community? Have you had people reaching out and being like, we need more of this book? You know, it's, it's a little, um, uh, Frustrating, if you will. So um, maybe you saw I, I did get blurbs from both uh, the Birth Control League of um, uh, Massachusetts and also the Birth, uh, birth Control uh, North Central, the Minnesota group. Mm-hmm. Um, I offered the Minnesota group 150 copies for which they were happy to receive. Um, and I think they gave them to their board and their volunteers and their staff. Mm-hmm. I made the same offer to Massachusetts and they haven't taken me up on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, um, I sent a copy to every CEO of the 50 Planned Parenthood affiliates in the country. Um, and two of them responded with thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's, it's hard. Um, it's hard to write a compelling novel about something like birth control and abortion without putting people off. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I did a, a talk a, a couple of weeks ago and it was fairly 
intense um, uh, politically, the, the kinds of things I had to say. I was told, don't read any parts of the book. So I didn't. And several of the people walked out of the talk. I mean, I was wow. amazed. Now, um, there are the upside on this book is that there is a lot of historically accurate interesting information and I did introduce and, and make sure there was some uh, humor too um, yeah. <laughs> here and there sort of wry humor maybe but humor mm -hmm. yeah and do you did you learn anything new about your aunt during this like do you think it sounds like she was kind of a funny person I mean going out in the middle of the street with a wooden penis like were you kind of surprised at how much you connected with her uh I, well I, I she's certainly my uh, role model my inspiration for sure I didn't know about the penis I didn't know her her grandson is still living and he told me about how she also would just go out on the street and distribute um condoms when you know when she felt like it she um she created or she made uh diaphragms in her home um she bought uh big bats of uh some kind of rubber uh in different colors and would um you know string them up and let them dry and and so on and created a spermicidal jellies uh she, she was also an inventor um and an architect and i mean she was an amazing woman um she blanche um but uh hopefully hopefully kate easton also has many of her qualities yeah i can't imagine that she wouldn't you yeah. know having such i mean you to write it and blanche as the kind of the model of that character it sounds like she would be amazing mm -hmm. yeah yeah she she was an amazing woman so when people sit down to read this, what do you want them to walk away with? What's the big message that you want people to say, okay, now I'm on a mission for X, Y, Z? Well, women have been trying to gain equal rights ever since the beginning of this country, since the founding. And women's fight for equality and control over their own bodies is far from over. So what I hope people will come away with is vote, vote for pro-choice candidates. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really important. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, this is <laughs> such an important book to come out at this time, because I also think that historical fiction kind of eases people into these ideas because, <laughs> you know, if you wrote just a straight up biography about your, you know, uh, your relative, then you know, people might pass it over as something dry or whatever, even though she doesn't sound like a very dry person. But, <laughs> but I think, um, is that kind of the reason you chose historical fiction to kind of make it more, I don't know, palatable, I guess, for people who might be a little iffy about the topic? Absolutely. I, because, I, I mean, I'm hoping that the readers can identify with the characters, with, with Cassie in particular, because she goes through a lot of ups and downs and challenges and questions. Um, so yes, it's meant to be uh, much more accessible that way. And of course, as I say, there's, there's some humor there too. Um, I actually, you know, when I wasn't able to get it published the first time around, I talked to a couple of editors about writing a biography of Blanche Eames, and I was told at the time, 
she's not famous enough, we would never be able to uh, sell enough copies of that book, which is just amazing, actually, because somebody did finally, in the last few years, write a biography about her. My Dear Mrs. Ames is, is what it's called. But it focuses on her suffrage experience much more than birth control. Mm. Ah, that's, that's so annoying. So <laughs> I know. Figure out the story away. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about the research process? I don't know where you're located, but did you have to do any traveling? Did you have to, other than the archives at Smith College, like what else did you have to dig into? Yes, well, I, I did have to travel uh, to Massachusetts numerous times from mm -hmm. Minnesota. That's where I live. Okay. So Cassie is a graduate student at the University of Minnesota. Uh, so we've got that. So Minnesota is one of the two locations in the book. Um, oh, so the research, um, a lot of primary sources at the Sophia Smith collection, cartoons, letters, diaries, meetings of minutes, photographs, paintings. Um, and I read books, you know, histories of suffrage and birth control and abortion, biographies of Margaret Sanger and artists because, um, because Kate is an artist as well as a as a suffragist and advocate for um, well for birth control novels. I read novels from the nineteen tens and twenties in order in order to get a sense of the language people were using at the time for, to inform the diary entries that I wrote on behalf of Kate. Um, and then novels from the 1970s, like Fear of Flying, The Women's Room, women, uh, books that were so relevant at that time and meaningful. Ms. Magazines, um, songs from the 70s, hairstyles, you know, that's Googling, hairstyles and clothing from the 70s to, to have my char characters be appropriate. So yeah, lots and lots of research. Uh, research. I really enjoy research. I love that. Well, our re our listeners will definitely uh, benefit from all of your hard research because mm -hmm. I hope they all go out and get this book because it's so wonderful and it's such an important story that like, you know, it kind of bums me out that there are these women who were fighting the good fight all these years ago and they just kind of get brushed aside for, you know, I mean, Margaret Sanger was amazing, mm -hmm. but there are more people besides her doing work. <laughs> Yeah, I think the book too sends a really great message of mo the multi-generational fight to have mm -hmm. a book that's written about somebody in the 70s reaching back to suffrage, but then it's being published now. Mm -hmm. That's three generations worth of women being like, or three, four, five. Yeah. Like we're ready to go. Like yeah. let's get our boxing gloves on. I mean, we're still fighting. It's yeah. <laughs> unreal. Thank you. That's a really nice point. Yes. It, it does include all those generations. You know, I wrote it uh, for my daughter uh, because she was born after Roe v. Wade. She didn't, didn't had no idea that uh, what it was like to go through an abortion and hopefully she never will. But um, that was part of my incentive as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Well, thank you for your words and for your book. It's just adding to the literature that we need. Yeah, absolutely. And where can people find this book? Where can they get a copy? Where can they find you and your source book? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, the Women's History Sources, that one, uh, you have to go to a a research library to get that. Mm -hmm. I think they only published 2,000 copies in Mm -hmm. 1979. (laughs) So there aren't many around. Mm -hmm. However, Lemons in the Garden of Love, you can get from any independent bookstore. They may not carry it, but they can order it and get it for you. Um, My website is another place, um, Mm amessheldon.com, has information about all three of my books and, um, and how to reach me. Yeah. Awesome. And as we always say, request it at your local library, because then Mm -hmm. somebody will stumble upon it and learn something. Thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Your local library as well. Yep. You have to just request, request that they can get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. Well, it's been such a pleasure talking to you and meeting you and we can't wait to keep up with you and learn about your work in the future. Thank you so much, Allie. And thank you, Katie. It's been a treat to talk to you both. You too. listening to her story on the rocks we are independently produced by 1986 entertainment and proudly recorded in baltimore maryland if there's a woman in history you would like us to cover you can email us at herstoryontherocks at gmail.com you can also message us on twitter or instagram we post all of our cocktail recipes on tuesdays so that you can go get all the supplies you need and drink along with us see you next week bye